Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. The 19th chapter. I'm going to preach this for a little bit. Right here last week, if you were not here on Sunday, we really kicked off of uh, really what we've been doing is uh, <clears throat> preaching really two things. And um, we're doing one on Wednesday night and the other on Sunday. But I felt like in November, at the end of November around Thanksgiving, that the Lord would have me on this assignment. And then uh, I just kept it really uh, November and at the end. And then December felt like that I would start preaching it come the first of the year. But I really believe the Lord is talking to us out of that Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 where we was at last uh, week around the first five verses where Paul was instructing Timothy at the end of his, uh, this was Paul's last letter to Timothy. This was the last words that he was going to tell him. His departure was at hand. And he was reminding Timothy about how to conduct himself as a pastor. And just really, uh, and he finishes off when he says, do the work of an evangelist. And that's just really been on my heart. And so I believe that God, what he wants to put in us, especially at the beginning of this year, is really the heart uh, of an evangelist. And... Um, <laughs> I know according to Ephesians 4 verse 11 that God gives us the fivefold ministry. We went over this last Sunday. We're just going to do a little recap for those uh, <clears throat> that were uh, not here. And so uh, there, the 1 Corinthians 12, 28 gives a list of order that God places ministries inside the church. He says, first, I've placed apostles in the church, second, prophets, third, teachers, then gifts of healings and gifts of uh, miracles. And so he goes on to say then that... Um, that in Ephesians chapter four verse eleven, that Jesus, when he descended, uh, when he ascended, yet that he descended and he gave gifts unto man, he divided himself up. We know that Jesus walked in all five. No one walks in all five anymore. We've said this that Lex Luger's no longer wrestling, so the total package is not in the ministry. And so that he gave some gifts. He gave some to be uh, uh, apostles and prophets. Uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That is the only place in the Bible, Ephesians 4 verse 11, that we find the word pastor uh, in, the, uh, in the Bible. And so, but we know according to the church that you and I have been a part of mostly, that is the most emphasized gift in the church is a, is a, is a pastor. He's the one that we pay to do the work of the ministry. Come on, somebody. Uh, down in the south, uh, we pay him to go visit the sick at the hospital. Uh, preach funerals and marry and bury, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, 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 teachers are the ones that are hidden in the back somewhere, uh, teaching Sunday school, as most of us know. And then evangelist, he's somebody that comes in in the Winnebago with a shiny suit, shiny, shiny shoes, and uh, runs us a revival. But listen, those are not necessarily the gifts. The teachers, the fivefold teachers mentioned in this would be like Kenneth Copeland, Charles Stanley, John Bevere, the teachers ground us in the present truth that is being that is being released. And so these all different carry a, a grace gift. But the evangelist, what he does, it doesn't necessarily because we got a visiting preacher that he's an evangelist. An evangelist, when he preached, he will always remind us of the loss. How many knows that? How many knows that outside the walls of this church, there's a lost and dying world right here in our community? That we don't go, have to go to the dark continent, which is not dark anymore, Africa, to find the lost, that we can find them right in our community. They're our neighbors next door. They're sitting in our churches. They're at Walmart this morning. 
There's some at Reed Bingham freezing on the lake trying to catch a white perch. Are you with me? And so the evangelist, doing the work of an evangelist is just a reminder of the loss. And so that's where we're going to go from um, uh, this morning. We talked about, we gave some statistics last night of even, I used some of the uh, Southern Baptists and uh, the Baptist uh, Convention, uh, some statistics that some churches, um, uh, What I want to get it right right here because I still got it. And so um, what did I say on uh, that 25% uh, of the churches reporting baptizing no one? Listen, I love miracles. I love to see the deaf hear. I've seen it. I love to see blind eyes open. I have seen it. Are you with me? I love to see those things. But the greatest miracle, and heaven rejoices over this miracle more than any miracle. Is that not what the Bible says? In Luke 15, there's a, there's a parable of a lost son, a lost coin, Right? And it says that all of heaven stands and rejoices and the greatest miracle we'll ever see is this thing foolish called the preaching of the gospel. Is that not what the Bible says? By the foolishness, what? Of preaching, men get up here and holler, scream, veins come out on their heads, sweating. That by the foolishness of preaching, what men shall be saved? And that is the greatest miracle we will ever see. Someone literally come from darkness to light. From, from, from death to life, according to Ephesians, that we are walking in the dead in the trespasses of our sins before we meet Christ. Come on, somebody. So literally, we raise the dead every time someone is born again. All right. So, all right. So let's get in this thing in Luke 19. I ain't going to have time to preach this. All right. If you get done before I do, we'll see you Wednesday. Okay. Got the back door. Now I'm playing. All right. Let's look at this. Luke 19, you there? If you ain't found it by now, you're probably not going to find it, so just trust that I'm reading you the word of the Lord. I'm in verse 41, and it says, Now as Jesus, as he drew near Jesus, he saw the city and wept over it saying, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation." Really, I just want to read verse 41. And it says this. I want to read it again. As he drew near the city, he saw the city and wept over it. Now, let me say this. Without the work of an evangelist, the only thing we'll ever see is a church you and I sit in. Most people live in this city and see it every day, but we don't see the city. Jesus was not drawing near to Jerusalem and seeing Walmart. He didn't draw, draw near to Jerusalem and see how good the school was. He didn't see the hospital. He saw the spiritual condition of that city and it caused him to weep. When is the last time that you and I had a burden for our city? Most people told a burden for the church. Listen, I thank God for our church, but, the, but it's bigger than that in this community. Are you with me now? We really don't even know the heart of God that we begin to carry a world vision. Come on. It didn't say that God so loved Adel that he died. Come on. It said God so what loved the world 
that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, what? But have everlasting life. Now, so the heart of God is the world. It ain't just America. Come on now, we want small slice of the pie. But it's the world. But listen, we have to break it down. I can't, I can't just leave out this place and say, I'm going to go save the world. How many knows I need to start at my house first? We start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the other parts of the earth. But, but it, it must have been a probably, I don't know, maybe a decade ago or longer than that. Next month, I'll be walking with the Lord 20 years. <clears throat> been preaching for 20 years uh, 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 next, this year. So, but one thing that, that the Lord really infused in me is that to not just care, when I, when I prayed, I, I felt like, you know, when God anointed me to pray this morning, but he anointed Catherine to pray also, I felt the power of God when she was praying, and I, you know, I had my hands up saying, hey, that woman throwing it down right now, God put it all on me, you know what I'm saying? And so, but I used to pray over at, our, at the pl- uh, previous place I pastored in that city. And we would pray over the city all the time. We'd pray over the city. To me, it wasn't a cliche or tongue-in-cheek thing to say, but we really had a burden or I really had a heart for my community. Are you with me now? I know this, that we are one small part of the pie in this community. All right? If we want to see the kingdom come, it's going to have to be more than cornerstone. It's going to have to be the assembly. It's going to have to be the Baptist church. We can't hold the entire city. The last time I looked, we somewhere around 17,500 people. We can't hold everybody in this community. But we got 60-something churches in here that we can hold a lot of fish. And I promise you this morning, there's plenty of room in the live well, come on, in our churches in this community. And one thing that we have got to do is we have got to get a vision beyond our church and start seeing our neighbor. Come on, someone. This is a real simple message just to remind you again, listen, that there's a dying world outside of this church and God didn't call you and bless you so that you could come to Cornerstone on Sunday, get fat off the gospel and do nothing with it during the week. Come on, somebody. He called you to enlist you in an army and a service. You and I have been drafted. All right, so we got to start seeing the city. Listen, how many drive down? Listen, if we want to see something different in the city, it's got to start with you. You can't sit by the roadside waiting on another generation to rise up. We are the generation right now. Come on, somebody. You and I, like Esther, we have been born so for such a time as this. I can't put it on somebody else's watch. We got to be faithful with what God has placed with us on our watch. You and I might not be the ones that towed it across the finish line, but you and I surely are ones that towed it further than it was before we arrived on the earth. All right. Now, I thought about this. I thought about different ones, and Stanton would probably know this better than me, but I'm just quoting from the way I remember it, so if I get it a little wrong, I'm sorry. But I think the ramp was started around 1998, 1999. A lot of good stuff happened in 98. I was born in the kingdom in 98. IHOP, I think, really began around 98, 99. The ramp was started 98, 99. God was birthing amazing things in 1998. And so, anyhow, um, that... She was driving through Hamilton, Alabama. I've only been through Hamilton, Alabama. I've never been to the ramp, but Hamilton does not look like a great big city. Is it, is it not a big city? It's not a big city. So she's driving through Hamilton, Alabama one night, and she sees uh, teenagers, is the way I remember hearing her say it, just idle, just 
just really nothing to do, just idle or whatever. And all of a sudden, the presence of God comes upon her and, and she feels like the Lord tells her to begin to sow and to begin to plant into the lives of these teenagers. And she says that she felt like that God told her, if you will plant and sow into the lives of these teenagers, what you plant and sow in them, you will reap in the lives of your own children. And so that, that vision of seeing that launched what is now the ramp where thousands have been awakened to the gospel. Listen, when you and I ride the streets, what do we see? Do we, are, we just seeing what, are we just seeing what we're, just what we're headed to the store for? Or do we see the condition of the city? All right, I thought about this. How many's ever heard of William Booth? All right, good. We've got a few people in here reading God's generals and stuff. So listen, William Booth um, uh, was uh, in East London and he went down to the slums. He, he really had a heart for the lost and he went down to, the, to, the, to, the, to just the slum areas and, and um, he, he, he had this vision. I'm going to read his vision in just a moment, but he, he had this vision and, and he really went after it and then William Booth went down and got some of the really just the outcasts of society and brought them into the church and when he brought them into the church, the, the people got upset with him and told him, listen, if you're going to bring this kind of people in, you bring them in the back door and keep them hid. I thought Jesus died for the world. See, what happens is you and I are quickly to forget where we come from. Come on now. We get saved, man. We come into church. We get us some new threads, get us some nice shoes and learn how to sing a few Christian songs. We quick to forget where we come from. But listen. I, listen to this. I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to read you this right here because it's really, really good. If you allow me to read you this right here. Come on now. All right. Listen to this. This was his vision that he saw when he was in the stagecoach and went down. He said, In the vision, in it I saw a dark and stormy ocean over which black clouds hung heavily. Every now and then uh, vivid lightning flashed and loud thunder rolled while the winds drove foaming waves into a tempest that was cl uh, claiming lives. There were... Uh, uh, Marauds uh, cursing and struggling and drowning as I watched some of them sink to rise no more. Then I noticed a mighty rock that rose up out of the dark and angry ocean. Its summit towered high above the platform. Onto this platform I saw with delight uh, that a number of the poor struggling uh, wretches were continually climbing out of the angry ocean. I saw a few of those who were already safe on the platform helping others onto the rock. Many were working with ladders, ropes, and boats to rescue those who were drowning. Occasionally, someone actually jumped to, into the water, regardless of the consequences, in their passion to rescue the perishing. I hardly know which sight delighted me more, the sight of people rescued, the sight of the people rescued, or the devotion and self-sacrifice of those who, those who had rescued them. Looking more closely, I realized that the people on the platform were quite a, a mixed company. They occupied themselves in different ways. Some spent their days trading while others amused themselves by dressing up for the admiration of their peers. Many were chiefly concerned with eating and drinking and yet others were taking up with arguing about the people that had already been rescued. Only, only very few of them made it their business to rescue people from the sea. What puzzled me most was the fact that although all, although all of them had been rescued, 
um, from the ocean at one time or, or, or other, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten about it. And what seemed equally strange was that they did not even seem to care about the people who were drowning right before the eye, their eyes, many of whom were their own spouses, brothers and sisters, even their own children. Those on the rock had received a call from the one who, who had himself gone down into the sea. They'd heard his voice and felt that they ought to obey it, or at least so they said. They professed to love him and to sympathize with him in the task uh, had undertaken, but they were so distracted by their professions, pleasures, and their preparation for going to the mainland that they did not help him. So the multitude went right on before them, struggling, shrieking, and drowning in the darkness. Then I noticed that some of the people on the platform were crying out to him to come to them. Many wanted him to spend his time and strength in making them happy, happier. Others wanted to take away various doubts and misgivings they had concerning the truth of some letters he had written to them. Some wanted him to make them feel more secure on the rock, so secure that they would be quite sure that they would never slip off again into the ocean. So they would meet and, and climbing high on the rock, they would cry, come to us, come and help us. All the while he was down among those drowning into the sea, trying to rescue them and looking to those on the rock for help. And he says, I understood it all. The sea was the ocean of human existence. The lightning was the piercing truth coming from Jehovah's throne. The thunder was the distant echoing of God's wrath. The multitude struggling in the stormy sea were the lost, ungodly people of every Kenya, tongue, and nation. The great sheltering rock represented Calvary, the place where Jesus had died for them. And the people on it were those who had been rescued. The way they used their energies, gifts, and times represented the occupation and amusement of those who had been saved. The handful of determined ones that risked their lives to save the perishing was the true soldiers of the cross and the one calling on the rescue to help, to help him rescue others was Jesus himself. He says, fellow Christians, you have been rescued from the waters, yet he is still in the sea calling for your help. Don't be deceived by appearances. Men and things are not what they seem. All who, not, uh, all who are not on the rock are in the sea. Jesus is in the midst of the dying multitude struggling to save them. He wants you to jump in and help. Will you jump or will you linger on the bank singing and praying about perishing souls? Lay aside your shame and pride, your cares about the opinions of others and all the selfish loves that have held you back for so long and rush to rescue these dying men and women. Unquestionably, the surging sea is dark and dangerous. The leap means difficulty, scorn, suffering for everyone who takes it. Yet he who beckons you from the sea knows what it will mean, and knowing he still bids you to come. You have enjoyed your Christianity long enough. Going down from among the perishing crowd is your duty. From now on, your ease will depend on sharing their pain, and your heaven is going into the very jaws of hell to rescue them. Now, what will you do? This was William Booth who went down and saw a part of his city that was struggling, who spent his time and energy to rescue that city. He formed an alliance 
called uh, the Christian uh, Revivalist is what it was that later became known as the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army has reached over 2 million people for the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, friend, what, 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 what could change in this city if you and I are supposed to be people of vision if we could see something? Listen, we can look at it and just say, you know what, it's never going to change. You can look at your life and say, if you got a vision for your life, listen, if you want to change your future, you got to stir up here today, friend, because it'll never change unless you shake yourself today. You and I got a job to do. Are you with me now? We're not on this earth to wait on the rapture to come. Come on, if that's your mentality, you ain't reading the Bible. We're not here to hang on and wait on the rapture. We're here to bring kingdom, the kingdom of heaven to this earth and be a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're set here as ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? That means I'm living here as an alien. Come on, somebody. This is not my home. My home is where I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is my home. Listen to me. Listen, heaven is, heaven is my destination. The earth is my assignment. That's where we have been planted here like seeds sown from the Father's hand into every part of society. But you and I find ourselves right here in Cook County. Listen, in Tiff County, in, in, in any other, Nashville, wherever you're at, you've been sown by the hand of the Father to be salt and light in the place we're sown. My gosh. Simple message. But it's amazing how quick we forget. Let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I don't know about you, but I was drowning in that sea. Somebody prayed me in. Listen, and we said this last week, most of us didn't get saved because we watched TBN. Most of us didn't get saved because somebody come and brought us a track. How we got born again is somebody loved us enough to befriend us and share the gospel with us and they were inflamed by their passion for the Lord Jesus. If we're not joyful and excited about our relationship, nobody else wants it. Well, I love the Lord. I love chicken. I love to hunt. I love to fish. I'm excited about it. If we love Jesus, we'll be excited about it. Come on. Do you know this, that the Bible says that when, when Peter and James and John, when they went to the gate, when they went to the temple to pray, when they, when they healed the guy, when the guy at the gate called beautiful got healed, <clears throat> they took him in, beat the fire out of them, and the council said this, these men are ignorant and unlearned men. That qualifies me. Come on, you alive in this place? But it says this, it says, we cannot deny the fact that these men have been with Jesus. Let me say this, my co-workers know when I have been with Jesus. My wife knows when I have been with Jesus. When I have been with Jesus, I'm not as grumpy. Come on, somebody. I don't have anger problems when I've been with Jesus. I, it's not hard for me to love when I have been with Jesus. It's not hard for me to give when I have been with Jesus. Listen, the world knows when we have been with Jesus. Um, all right, let's look at this in John chapter 4, verse 27. At this point, his disciples came to him. This is the encounter that Jesus has with the woman at the well. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. 
Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to them, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know of. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say, look at this, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for harvest. Right now, the fields are white for harvest outside the walls of this church. And everybody's got a job to do. You can reach people that I could never reach. All right? He who reaps and receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both who sows and he who reaps rejoices together. For in, for in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I, look at this. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Now listen to this. I believe that the generation that went before us prayed the harvesting that you and I are to get. Come on now. Listen, we ain't the first revivalist to ever show up in this community. Hundreds of years ago, there was revivalists praying in the harvest in this community. How many prayer meetings has this church had where we prayed in the harvest? Somebody's got to enter into that labor. And Jesus said, what? Lift your eyes up. It's amazing. I, I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm preaching this to myself because I said, God, I got to change in this area. Here, here's good. You know, we, we're about in our daily lives. All right? we, we see someone at a restaurant. How are you doing? Oh, I can't even hardly walk. You know, my back's been pulled out for three weeks. That's a clue to pray. Let's don't be a church that says, well, we're going to remember you. We're going to put you on a prayer list. Because we said last week, we know where the prayer list. The prayer list is over there in the social hall. When we eat once a month, we see your name on there. The church got a revelation of that in Acts chapter 11 and 12. Remember when James was beheaded, they had him on the prayer list. When they seized Peter fishing to cut his head off, they moved the prayer list inside the church and prayed fervently for him. And then when he was released, when, when Rhonda the girl opened the door and said, he's here, they said, no, that's not him. He's already been killed. What kind of prayer meeting were they having? Had no faith. All right. So Jesus said, the, 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 the harvest is ready right now. You are entering in on a season that somebody else has already prayed through. All right. Lord Jesus, we're going to have to bring Flaming Young out here. Matthew 9, let's go right here. Matthew 9, I'm just still trying to set this up. Matthew 9, verse 35. Look at this. Then Jesus went about to the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The gospel of the kingdom will not just be a salvation message, but it'll be a message of demonstration, healing the sick, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were like weary, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, look at this, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Now listen, is there a problem with the harvest or is there a problem with the labors? 
The labors is the problem. Why ain't we seeing more baptism? Because the labors are few. Hello? We snugged up in our little churches, holding on to our four and more. Remember in the book, remember in the, the, at the Passover in Exodus 12, if the lamb was too big for your house, you had to share it with your neighbor. It's time we get the lamb out of our house and share it with the neighbor. When you're at the restaurant, you share the lamb. When you're on your job, you share the lamb. We don't have to tell people they're dying and going to hell. We just tell them how God, how good God has been to our lives. And it's the goodness of God that lead men to repentance. Remember when the lady at the well went back to the city? She said, come, come tell me a man, come listen to a man that told me everything I ever did. He knew that I have five husbands and yet he didn't reject me because I've had five failed marriages. He just told me that he had living water and if I would drink of that water, I would never thirst again. I'm here to tell you this morning, I'll drink of water outside the kingdom and it left me thirsty. But if I ever, when I tasted of Jesus, come on friend, it... The Bible says in Psalms 34 and 8, taste of the Lord and see that he's good. Sometimes when you body in church, it ain't good. You gotta sink on in past the church and get to Jesus inside the church and that is good. I'm preaching this morning. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with the labors. Well, where is the labors? We at gospel sings. Potluck dinners. Asleep in the house of God. Just woke four people up right there. We starting a new thing called busted. We gonna catch you sleeping, draw right in on you. Bust and play you on the big screen. Cutting up. <laughs> huh? When I was a teenager or whatever, and, and we used to go to this conference, and the biggest thing at this conference was to say, roll the video. And it'd be a video. They rolled a video for like two minutes of just people doing crazy stuff. You don't say that they called on camera. I was going to be rolled a video, sleeping in church. Listen, where are we at? The labors. Jesus said that the problem was not with the harvest, but the labors. Listen, everybody, probably... Probably there's very few people in here that would say it's your personality and I'm real comfortable just by preaching the gospel on the street. I preach the gospel on the street. Kevin and I were laughing. We were preaching the gospel at Taco Bell one night and I'm preaching my guts out and a lady come up wanting money. And I said, ma'am, I don't have any cash. And <laughs> we were laughing at this. She had like a handful of change and slung that change and hit me on the legs and around the feet. And she said, 30 pieces of silver. That's what they sold Jesus out for. And turned around and left. I said, amen. <laughs> Come across all kind of stuff. Listen, listen, the results are not up to me. Did you hear what I said? The results are not on my back. My job is to share the gospel. I, I just honestly believe this, that if we would be more pliable, the Holy Spirit would lead us in the places that He's trying to reach people. Do you believe that? Now, if God's heart is the harvest, now here's what you got to understand. If His heart is the harvest, and He leaves the 99 to go after the one, which is His heart, Here's another clue. He's done all he's going to do. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay the debt. 
now he has a church, which is you and I, in the earth to carry out his plan and his will. Now, there's nothing wrong with the harvest. There's plenty of fish to catch, but the problem is there's no fishermen. We got a pond full of fish, but nobody willing to get out on the lake. So Jesus said, now this is, this, is a, this is a burden that he said for the church, is that you pray to the Lord that he would thrust or send labors into his harvest field. Now how many times in the last month have we prayed that prayer, God send labors into the harvest field? This is, not, this is not Jesus asking us if you got time. Oh, by the way, after you say lay me down to sleep, if you got a moment of time left, would you pray that he would send labors into the harvest? Because here it is. When, listen, Lou Engle gave me a lot of revelation on that word. When Jesus said that he cast out demons, he used the Greek word ekbalo. When I command demons to come out, they come out. When he said pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send, he used the word ekbalo. Do you understand if we would pray, he would arrest somebody and thrust them into the harvest field. When Jesus tells a demon, I ekbalo you, they got to come out. If we would pray to the Lord of the harvest, he would ekbalo labors to get into the field. I feel the Holy Ghost. That's the Pentecostal version is the Spirit of God's in here and I feel it. So we got to pray. We pray this. We say, Father... God, I realize there's a harvest in this community. I pray this morning, God, that you would ignite the heart of your bride with a passion for the lost, God. Let us, let us, let us be busy about your business. Let us do the will of our Father, God. Give us boldness to share the faith, God. Ignite in us a heart and inflame us for the lost that we'll share the gospel. That is how God ignites labors into the harvest field. All right, let's go right here. Acts chapter 1. Getting close to the airport. I didn't say put your seatbelt on yet. We're just getting close to it, okay? I signaled in. That means we're landing the sermon pretty long, okay? Right here. <clears throat> Ask Grant what does close, that is closing mean? means nothing. I closed four times, okay? Listen to this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall what? Receive power. Look at your neighbor and say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Look at your neighbor right now and tell him, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall what? Be witnesses. Look at your neighbor and say, I am a witness. Jesus is in heaven saying, can I get a witness? What is the Holy Ghost in your life for? So you can run around church. So you can dance. 
So you can speak in tongues. So you can prophesy. The Holy Spirit is in you to what? Be a witness. To be a witness. The Holy Ghost is, listen, we say it like this. Bill says it a whole lot better. The Spirit of God is in me for me. But He is upon me for you. Let's teach you and train right here. Let's say, for instance, I got to run up to harvest, get some milk. I go in the harvest, just got out of the truck. I'm listening to, to Lindy. Come what may, power God's in there. Get out. Go in the harvest. As I go turn down the milk aisle, the power of God comes upon me. What do you think is going on? Is Jesus coming on me so that, hey, I want to give you goosebumps to let you know you're still my son. When you feel that, let me tell you what you do. You stop and you start scanning. Because God just showed up and the kingdom just showed up because he's there to touch somebody. Now here's the deal. You as a servant, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is subject to the prophet. You can say, mm, good God, she come on, I feel it. Speak in tongues. C-O-C-A, C-O-L-A, that's Coca-Cola. That's not tongues. I'm not talking to tongues. And you can shut it off and you can walk out of there. But what just happened is you missed an opportunity to be a witness and to represent Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God comes on us for somebody else. I was thinking about this story the last couple of weeks. I remember um, uh, when Pastor Dale was uh, chief of the Amlet service up in Tifton. That for what he didn't go out on the Amlets much or whatever. But this particular time, he had to be in the ambulance or whatever. They, he, he had to go out for some, I don't know if they were short-staffed or whatever. Anyhow, went upon a wreck scene. Remember, you remember the story? Out on 75. Got in that ambulance. And as he, went to get, as he went to get up in the ambulance, naturally as a preacher, I mean, you, you probably praying, you know, God help him. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, you know, I'd be praying something. You know what I mean? And so he's, he, he's whatever. And anyhow, the Spirit of the Lord comes on him real strong. And he said, the Lord asked him right there. He said, ask her if she's saved. He said that, first of all, the woman had a severe um, head trauma. You, those of you who've been here long, you remember the story? Had, and he said, most time, I think he said that she was bleeding out of the ears or whatever, if, if I remember right. He said, a lot of times they're not even conscious. This woman was conscious. And he asked that woman, are you saved? Now, here's a man that's not supposed to be on Amulets, but he's on Amulets. Why? Because God is a fisher of men and he's long-suffered, not willing that any should perish. He's trying to get somebody in our lane. See, friend, what you got to understand, hell was never created for the heathens outside of there. It was created for the devil and the fallen angels that went with him. It was never created for one human being. And I believe this, if you go to hell, friend, you got to step over every blood-filled, spirit-filled person on the face of the earth to get there. Are you with me now? God's going to put somebody in your lane to tell you the goodness. Somebody's praying somewhere to it. Bolo labors into the harvest field and God's not willing that any should perish. He's trying to reach the lost. Listen, he wants to bring blessing to us, but I'm telling you the cry of heaven saying, get the lost at any cost. 
Pastor Dale said, I need to know if you're saved. See, here's the don't ask them if they go to church. This is where, because see, in the South, if you go to church, another thing in the South, if you're a good boy. How many funerals have I went to that we preach it? You know, they good, they just a good boy. Good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. Listen to me. People that have a relationship with Jesus Christ go to heaven and the rest go to hell. Did you hear what I said? Just cause you good. Listen, if you was good and could make it, Jesus would have never went to the cross. But the Bible says your righteousness is filthy rags. We don't make it on our goodness. Well, you go to the south of there. Well, he was a good old boy. A lot, let me tell you, a lot of that is redneck theology saying you lost and in need of Jesus. She asked you, did you go to church? You don't ask, don't, don't, no, he didn't ask you to go to church. Are you saved? Are you born again? The Bible does not say if a man be in church, he's a new creation. It says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Let me say this. Getting people inside of our churches is not going to change this community. Getting people inside of Christ will change this community. All right. So, ma'am, are you saved? Are you born again? He said the woman said something. He could not hear what she said. The lady said, no. All right. This is the reason why I'm here. Father's got me on assignment. I'm in here to cast a net for this. I'm here to throw the line right here, pull this fish into safety right here. He ringed down and told her, he said, ma'am, will you want me to pray for you that you be born again the kingdom of God? Said Again, said something. He didn't understand. So he got down. He said, ma'am, I said, do you want me to pray for you that you be born again? Said she looked back at him stern cold and said, I said no. But let me tell you something. Only God knows the outcome of that situation. But it don't look good. But I'm telling you this. God loved that individual so much that he made the chief get out the office and get in the back of the ambulance to reach that one. God is wanting to use us, friend. Do you hear me this morning? This year in 2017, if you want to see this church full, it ain't my job to get out and compel them to come in the house of God. It is my job to ignite your heart and passion for God that you will once again have joy for your salvation to say, hey, let me tell you something, friend. I'm in love with Jesus. He wants to set you free. Come on. If we're going to see this community come to God, at first it's going to happen in the pulpit. Fire's got to get in the pulpit. And if fire gets in the pulpit, fire will be in the few, pew. And if fire's in the pew, it'll be in the community. Amen. All right. So the Holy Ghost is in you to what? To be a witness. Not to come down here and sing your songs. Not for me to preach. For me to be a witness. Let's finish this right here. Isaiah 6. I'm finish on this last verse of scripture out of Acts. What I'm saying is this, listen to me. It's simple ways to do it. You own a business, right? If you own a business, you got a store. Instead of, instead of playing Kenny Chesney and Luke Bryan, 
Luke Bryan going to tell us how to sit there and drink another beer. He ain't going to answer your problem. I'm getting up in them stuff, ain't I? Huh? I mean, you want depression, just play CMT in your house all day. I about want to bust him out, but I ain't do it. One of mine gonna get in there and want to cut it on country. I see you. Li- you see me listen to country? No, sir. Now I can sing. I, if you want to karaoke, I can throw down some Alabama stuff. Like I'm hard to beat. Cotton was short and the weeds were tall. Roosevelt gonna save us all. But what I've learned, listen, your spirit man's constantly feeding. He's constantly feeding. And if all you got is CMT. And you're sitting there playing Garth and you got friends in low places. Listen, your spirit man, I mean, he, he's struggling. But if you feed him some Jesus culture, let it rain. The kingdom of God coming to glory. You're listening to Lindy Conant, I mean, about the harvest field. Your spirit man's going to be ignited. I'm just saying, if, you, if I own a business, I'm setting them up before they ever come into my business. I'm creating an atmosphere. I'm going to lay my hands on every rack of clothes saying, God, I pray right now when they touch these clothes right here, they feel the kingdom, they feel the presence of God. Huh? I'm going to be playing music that's setting them up for an encounter with God. Man, I'm about once... I'm going to get off of that because i got, I got, a, I got a steep task. Hand. Let's go right here. Isaiah 6, we're there. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood six seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one cried to another, said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here, I, here am I, send me. When you dwell in the presence of God, that is the cry of your heart. Amen. Now I'm just old school preaching, just basic. But listen, if I attend church once a month and I got CMT on in the house, that is not the cry of your heart, send me. The cry of your heart is woe is me. But when you live in the presence of God, what is on the heart of God this morning? Who will go for me? Who will go for me? I'm in the presence, my life, I'm I'm pursuing God. And out of that pursuit, I cry out, send me. You know what makes the dead see dead? It's not that it doesn't have anything to feed it. It It doesn't have an outlet. It does, 
we're simply we're simply to go get the we're simply to go get the fish and go hand them out. Go get the bread, hand it out. Go get the bread, hand it out. We're just deliveries, making deliveries. Let's finish up with this. Amanda, will you come right here and play if you don't mind? Because I want I want to I want to do one more prayer, and uh, before we leave, I'm going to pray over everybody. Just play that what was playing at the end right there. Um, that elevation song. Uh, Acts chapter 4. All right, here's the deal. Let's finish up with this. Fish the land of plane. Put your seatbelt on. We're going to land this thing. Why? Why? I told you this. It's not in my personality. I can sing bold as a lion behind the pulpit. But if I don't know you in public, I hate it. But I'm, I'm pretty much going about to get the gallon of milk. Now, if I feel God show up, I'm fitting to do the business. You know what I'm saying? I have stopped Walmart before. Standing at Walmart, you know, they put the toy, the clearance toys. You know what I'm talking about? We're standing there at the clearance toys, and the power of God come on me. It was about that, it was about that um, this was, I don't know, this was before I came, right before I came over here, I think it was. Um, and so, we was talking about that, that lamp deal. The, the, the Lee Barnes deal. And I knew that that flame come out of that lamp, Waycross and Jessup and Baxley and all that flame through there. Had a copy of that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there. Now, I just, I had these thoughts previous, weeks previous to this. I'm standing there looking at the toys. And the power of God comes on me. Grant's standing right beside me, John Ben. Power of God comes on me. And I start scanning, and I see a I see a Church of God guy coming right out of the right out of the service, the the garden center, where the, all the medicine and all this is, and these these little displays right here breaking up the aisles. And easy walks to me, son. I point my finger at him. I begin to prophesy. And I begin to prophesy that flame and that fire coming up to Jessup. I mean, he's shaking. I mean, I thought he's gonna go down. And now I'm in full blown tongues. And when you go in tongues in a public place. They were people backing them buggers up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, we had a guy. We had a guy in our city over there in Jessup, Cliff Miles. He's going to be with the Lord now. Before he died, he called his children and he said, "The Lord spoke to me in prayer and said, I'm going to be leaving the earth in the next couple of weeks. I want you to come down. We're going to eat one more final meal together." He'd be on the golf course. He'd be up there about to drive. He'd be. That, that's all he did was speak in tongues. I've seen him touch people in Walmart, go by and look at them and point and they fall out under the power of God. I'm talking about living in the presence, doing the work of the kingdom. This is what's exciting. Attending church. Come on, somebody. Jesus died for far more for us to come do this thing called church. I'm talking about kingdom life. Living in the kingdom and moving in it every day. Cliff grabbed, grabbed the lady right there to check out. Boom, hit the floor. He said, don't worry about it. It's a power of God. Leave her laying. Why don't we do it? We lack this thing that the early church had, which is called boldness. Let me tell you what we need. Boldness. You take the most timid woman in this room. The most timid woman that won't say a word publicly, that won't say nothing. 
and you have her and you take her and let her go to Walmart and she puts that little blanket in the thing and she sets that little baby in that stroller and she's turning around looking over here at the cereal, whatever, and she turns around and that baby's gone and I'll show you a woman that just left from timid to bold as a lion and a bear in that store. I'm not, boy, I feel God's coming in this room right now. In Acts chapter 4, after they had been beaten for the guy at the gate called Beautiful, their evangelism costed them something, and your evangelism will cost you something too. See, you, you, you look like a fool to the world at Walmart standing there speaking in another language. I'm not ashamed of the gift of tongues. When I filled out my job resume, they asked me how many languages you speak. I said, I'm fluently in multiple languages. I don't care if I'm around people who don't understand it. Read the Bible, friend. Come on, somebody. Lord, I guess we got four people in here that are not ashamed of speaking in tongues. They were beaten. But they said these, these, these ignorant and unearned, we, we can't deny the fact that they've been with Jesus. The scripture says they go back to the brother and they begin to tell them what happened. Hey, they beat us up, but listen. And this is what they did. The Bible says that they went to prayer. And they said, God, we pray this morning that you would stretch forth your hands towards your holy servant. That this God has beat up right there for healing at the gate called beautiful. We pray that you would increase that upon our lives. That you would fill us with boldness. The church needs boldness in this day and hour, friend. Are you with me now? Listen. Do you think the homosexuals ain't bold? Yes, sir, they bold. Do you think that you think Islam's got a problem being bold? It's time the church stands up with a backbone of boldness to proclaim this gospel. Paul said it like this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for, I, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That small percent, that's... Homosexual agenda is less than 5%. It's around 3 point something percent of America. And they're making all kind of hell and racket with their agenda. It's time the church stands up, friend, with boldness. Realize that the kingdom of God lies within you. If you leave this place and go to sisters and a fifth generation wicked witch is standing at the front door. You stand in that place and say, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you come out of her. And I guarantee you when the squealing starts happening and the war starts happening, people will drop their fork. See, we won't have to tell car wreck stories when we demonstrate the kingdom. When you can't demonstrate nothing, that's when you got to cut the lights off and you got to give all kind of car wreck stories and tell them about this one who left church and didn't get, and didn't get saved and he had ACDC song on highway to hell. It, no, you don't got to do all that when you demonstrate the kingdom because the goodness of God that lead men to repentance. Let me tell you about a young man that went to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Walked inside of a, he went inside of a, a, a grocery store down there. The power of God came on him. Felt like God wanted to heal carpal tunnel syndrome. He walked right up to aisle five and said, "Ma'am, can I hold your, can I hold your microphone?" And this is what he he said on the microphone. He said, "I want to let every, all shoppers know in this whatever grocery store, the kingdom of God just came in this room right here. Someone walking in this in this grocery store has carpal tunnel syndrome in your hands. If you come." 
the cash register, aisle number five, I'm standing right here and God will heal you this morning. There was a person in there that was not born again that made their living as a musician that was ate up with carpal tunnel syndrome that could not work and could not play. Walked down to that cash register, he prayed for them, God healed him instantly. This is kingdom living. This is the way we evangelize now. We don't have to go hand out tracts. We walk in the kingdom. I'm preaching guts out. Why is Heidi Baker in Motion Beak reaping in the thousands of converts? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you how a whole entire village bowed down to serve Jesus. When she went in that village to preach the gospel, two heathens run out with an AK-47 fully loaded, fully automatic, got within point-blank range and unloaded the clip on her standing right in front of her. Unloaded that whole clip when the bullets hit the ground. She, they, they, and she's still standing there and nothing happened. They said, who in the world you serve? She said, the Lord Jesus Christ. They bowed that whole village, bowed down and began to serve that God she serves. These people don't believe nothing. Well, I don't believe that. That's why you don't see nothing in your life. Seeing is not believing. The Polar Express taught you that. Believing is seeing. When we start to believe again, this God in the Bible, that these are not some stories, these are not some fairy tales, this ain't 66 books full of some, just half something word, this is according to Hebrews 4.12, a living book, and the same God that was alive in Luke, Mark, John, and Matthew is the same God that's alive today, right now, living in Adel, Georgia, friend, are you with me? He's waiting for a church that will get into the harvest fields and believe Him again for the miraculous. Are you with me, friend? What are you going to do? We got one life. Are we going to use it for ourselves or are we going to lose it for him? And if we'll lose it for him, we'll find it, friend. I feel God in this room right now. Stand to your feet. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. She correte. If you want to be used by God, friend, I'd raise my hands right now and say, God, send me. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and let me be a witness like never before. Let me lay my hands upon the sick and see them recover. Let me lay my hands on deaf ears and see them open. Let me lay my hands on blinded eyes and see them open. God, give me words of knowledge that will reach the lost. I don't hear no praying up in this church. Come on, somebody. Open your mouth and ask God, use me, anoint me for the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. God, anoint us this morning with boldness from heaven. God, I pray for boldness from heaven to fill this church, to fill this people with boldness, God. Fill us with boldness, God. Fill us with boldness, God. In the name of Jesus. You need to wake up and quote, quote Luke 4.18 over your life for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to set at liberty them that are captive. He has sent me to, to loose those that are bound. Come on somebody. We are anointed to be a witness.